ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 7 Chapter 9 Text 6 Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada By the touch of Lord Narasimha Dev's hand on Prahlad Maharaj's head, Prahlad was completely freed of all material contaminations and desires as if he had been thoroughly cleansed. Therefore, he at once became transcendentally situated and all the symptoms of ecstasy became manifest in his body, his heart filled with love, and his eyes with tears. And thus, he was able to completely capture the lotus feet of the Lord within the core of his heart. Purport, as stated in Bhagavad Gita, One who engages in full devotional service who does not fall down in any, in any circumstance, at once transcends the modes of material nature and thus comes to the level of Brahman. Elsewhere in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, Manghi parata vyapashritya yepi syufpapayoneha striyo vaishyas tathashudras tepiyanti parangatim O son of Prita, those who take shelter in me, though they be of lower birth, women, vaishyas, merchants, as well as shudras, workers, can approach the supreme destination. On the strength of these verses from Bhagavad Gita, it is evident that although Prahlad Maharaj was born in a demoniac family, and although virtually demoniac blood flowed within his body, he was cleansed of all material bodily contamination because of his exalted position as a devotee. In other words, such impediments on the spiritual path could not stop him from progressing, for he was directly in touch with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Those who are physically and mentally contaminated by atheism cannot be situated on the transcendental platform, but as soon as one is freed from material contamination, he is immediately fit to be situated in devotional service. Here is described how, by the touch of the lotus hand, of Nrshimhadev on the head of Prahlad Maharaj, he, Prahlad, was freed of all material contamination. Now we may wonder, how is it possible that Prahlad Maharaj had any contamination to be freed of? Surely the Supreme Lord would appear in such a unique form, exhibiting his supreme anger, uh, changing the whole political structure of the universe, only for very greatest of devotees, as the Lord Himself states in Bhagavad Gita, I reciprocate according to the level of surrender. So a devotee who fully gives himself to Krishna, then Krishna fully gives himself to that devotee. We can't expect that uh, someone who lives a totally godless life, but then when they get in some severe difficulty, they think, well, I have no, no choice now, so let me call on God, and then God will come and incarnate to deliver such a person. Prahlad is described here in Bhagavatam as mm, Mahan Bhagavato Mahan, great even among Mahabhagavats. Bhagavat means a devotee of the Lord, especially, it can refer to a devotee on any level, but especially refers to pure devotees. And there are Mahabhagavats who are... Uh, 
Bhagavads are special, but Mahabhagavads are very special. They're very powerful emissaries of the Lord. And Prahlad Maharaj is Mahan Bhagavato Mahan, a very great devotee, even among great devotees, as the Lord will later in this section of Bhagavatam state to Prahlad, that you have come to the world just to demonstrate what are the qualities of a pure devotee. So how is it to be understood here that he is, beco- he is becoming free from all material contaminations and desires? In his Bhakti Sandharbha, Srila Jiva Goswami has quoted from one of the Puranas about a previous life of Srila Prahlad Maharaj, uh, that he was a highly dissolute person, immoral, given to uh, such non-devotional activities as fornicating and boozing. <laughs> fornicating means having sex with other people's wives or outside of marriage, and boozing means drinking alcohol. Sorry, I'll try and keep it. In other words, illicit sex and intoxication, normal Islam language. It's very interesting, just as an aside, this word fornication used to be well known in the English language and it was considered something very bad, but it's dropped out because it's, it's con- considered sex within marriage, outside marriage, it's all the same. So there's no distinction between adultery, fornication and, and sex within married life. The word has fallen into disuse because there's no, there's seen no need for it anymore. So anyway, Prahlad Maharaj, uh, in the previous life, it's described that he was of this nature, and he went with one of his girlfriends into the forest to enjoy, because in normal <coughs> civilized human society, uh, to do such activities, one should have to go away from the public. It's considered shameful or socially reprehensible, which suggests, that, again, that modern society is not civilized, because it's considered quite acceptable to do this, so even in public. So anyway, the uh, the to-be Prahlad, uh, had found out some old abandoned temple in the forest and he went there to enjoy with his girlfriend, prostitute. Prabhupada, in relating the story of Bilva Mangal and Chintamani, once said, he, he would call Chintamani a prostitute, but one, said, one time he said, girlfriend. He said, in your country you say girlfriend, in our country we say prostitute. Uh, an easily available woman who enjoys with men out of wedlock. So anyway, what happened as... Uh, often happens in these otherwise romantic stories, um, he had a fight with his girlfriend. It doesn't always end. They lived happily ever after. It's usually the opposite. So anyway, uh, he, he didn't have his uh, fun that he was looking forward to. And he was feeling very angry and frustrated. So due to his anger and frustration, he spent all night in that abandoned temple without eating anything and just lying awake in anger. Girlfriend had gone off somewhere else in the meantime. Well, as it happened, that abandoned temple was a temple of Lord Nrsimhadev, and uh, it happened to be the day of Nrsimha Chaturdashi. So, even without knowing, he got the result of staying awake and fasting in a Nrsimha temple all through the night of Nrsimha Chaturdashi, which is. Yeah, okay. So that gives the very pious result of uh, Agyata Sukriti, a very uh, powerful activity of uh, that uh, generates or, or reveals bhakti within the heart. So this uh, anecdote is related by Jiva Goswami to show the power of even unknown devotional service and that um, the, the power of observing the appearance days of Vishnu avatars.
So what are we to understand from this, that Prahlad was some, in a previous life was some immoral person? Well, it certainly seems like that. That's the, that's the description that's given. But then we also have to consider it's not that everyone who fasts and stays awake on the Shingha Chaturdashi becomes a devotee of the caliber of Srila Prahlad Maharaj. So it's to be understood that, uh, or, or the proper Vaishnava understanding, is that uh, temporarily for some purpose ordained by the Lord, this... Uh, Uniquely great devotee Srila Prahlad Maharaj was apparently covered by some material, some gross material desires. And although his activities appeared to be grossly sinful, the fact that he came out of that and came to be a devotee of the level of Prahlad means that he's actually an eternal associate of the Lord. Just like Arjuna, he understood the Bhagavad Gita at one speaking, uh, whereas others, they study it for lifetimes and still can't understand it at all. But to have the, to be in a condition where the Bhagavad Gita could be spoken to him, he was placed by the uh, internal potency of the Lord, the Leela Shakti, who organizes the pastimes of the Lord, he was placed into ignorance. And actually, uh, he was... In ignorance. I'm totally overcome with grief and my, my senses and my mind are overcome. I can find no way to overcome this grief. He was actually experiencing that. And uh, although Srila Prabhupada explains that Arjuna, Krishna himself says that he's speaking to Arjuna, this Bhagavad Gita. Bhaktosi me you are my devotee and my friend. Therefore, you are fit to understand this uh, great mystery of Bhagavad Gita. But in one purport in Bhagavad Gita, as it is, Prabhupada says that Arjuna was a forgotten soul lost in the deepest darkness of ignorance. So actually, Arjuna was in that position. But it was only a, temp- a temporary. His uh, core or his uh, swarup lakshan in Sanskrit, his, his basic characteristic was that he was a pure devotee of the Lord. And temporarily he had been covered by ignorance. But that ignorance was so temporary and uh, it, it was to serve some purpose for facilitating the Lord's pastimes. So there are many examples of devotees like this. Lord Brahma, the head of our Sampradaya, he became sexually attracted to his daughters right there in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Now that's quite common nowadays, but in normal human society, that's considered just getting pretty down towards the bottom of the lowest kind of thing you could do. We find uh, Prahlad Maharaj is described. He was, uh, as I said, he was an immoral person. Rup and Sanatan, they were given the names Dabiakas, Sakar Malik, Muslim names, which suggests that they adopted some Muslim habits. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, prior to uh, becoming a Vaishnava, appeared to be like a modern, uh, Western-oriented, materialistic person of the modern age. When we say taking to Vaishnavism, of course he is always the greatest of great devotees, but it appears for some time that he was not at all knowledgeable of or practicing Vaishnavism. So you may say that, well, Arjuna, that was only for like, you know, Bhagavad Gita, maybe one hour, one and a half hours it took to speak. What about Prahlad? It seems like his whole, he went through a whole lifetime of being a, like a sinful person. And Brahma, such a, such an abominable activity. But even if it's a lifetime, still it's temporary. It's a very short time in eternity. And again, it is to for the actually these pastimes are enacted for the benefit of conditioned souls to give us hope 
as uh, that that we can also it's we can also come up from the very fallen condition to the condition of devotional service and also to uh, facilitate some pastimes of the lord and his devotees shila bhaktivinoda thakur for instance has written so many wonderful songs in which he describes himself as a materialist who uh, ultimately finds no shelter other than krishna so in according to the historical view of his life this may appear to be true but actually we should understand that even though he's feeling that and he's writing like that that is for the benefit of us who are actually in the position of being conditioned that we can also like him take shelter of the lord and be delivered that actually increases the bhav of a devotee the ecstatic feelings that i was so fallen and now the lord has so kindly delivered you so that also that's an arrangement by of the lord's uh, internal potency that prahlad due to his uh, apparently sinful activities in a previous life had to take birth in a family of demons but at the same time due to his unknown devotional service uh, apparently due to that he was uh, imbued with krishna consciousness of a very high degree which he of course ascribed to the mercy of his spiritual master which is also true but then why did narad come to instruct kayadu there may have been so many pregnant women in the world at the time kayadu was the mother of pala he came to instruct her because he knew that within her womb is this great devotee so prahlad maharaj saw his krishna consciousness as simply the mercy of his spiritual master which is true from sure. prahlad's point of view and actually in every respect even though we may analyze it from different vantage points just like prabhupada had always we understand that shrila prabhupada must be a very great devotee who came to this world to perform the mission that he did and even his appearance is predicted uh, indirectly by shrila bhaktivinoda thakur and even by um supreme personality of god had chaitanya mahaprabhu himself but prabhupada would always say that i i have no credit for for my activities if there is any credit it goes only to my spiritual master only that i tried to follow him it's all his mercy so this is a question of vaishnav perspective vyasadev here is stating that prahlad was freed of material contamination but a devotee when he reads this he doesn't say He doesn't go around repeating well Prahlad was materially contaminated he was a sinful person and devotee never says like that Brahma was so sinful you don't say like that he's the head of our sampradaya so we are being given information of this apparent contamination but a devotee if he's actually a devotee must understand how to accept this nowadays there's quite a lot of discussion about the mistakes of Srila Prabhupada now if we examine from an empiric vantage point it might seem that Prabhupada made some kind of mistakes and even Prabhupada himself in his preface to the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, suggested that his his presentation in English was full of mistakes because of his uh, lack of of knowledge of the language or a la- lack of complete knowledge of the language and certain devotees uh have claimed to have found out that there are mistakes in what prabhupada has presented however a devotee if he has to be very careful how we handle this information because if we start to think that the great devotees have made mistakes then we start to see them as mundane persons and then we become offenders and then we can't understand anything they say quite commonly in the uh commentaries of the acharyas on bhagavatam there are sanskrit 
in their language there are Sanskrit usages which are irregular, which you're not supposed to do. Sanskrit means perfectly composed. There are very strict rules for composition of Sanskrit. However, sometimes in the writings of the Acharyas, it is seen that uh, there are what might appear to be grammatical mistakes in their writings. So, uh, especially on such seminal works as Srimad Bhagavatam, the commentary is often commented on by others. And Prabhupada also said that my disciples will write commentaries on my books, which is happening now. Sometimes in the tikas, the tika means the commentary on a commentary, it, uh, they, they will write uh, in reference to a, a what appears to be a grammatical mistake. They will write arsha prayog, which means the usage which has been given by a great personality. And they don't comment any more than that. So it is understood by the cultured persons who read this. It's not meant for the reading of these rascal so-called academic scholars who simply criticize and go to hell. It's understood that this is this person, this he is our Acharya, he has said like this, he is worshipable, we have no more comment to make than this. It is not Vedic culture to say that our Acharya has made mistakes, he didn't know the language properly, he didn't know this properly, he was influenced by this by 19th century Victorian values, etc., etc., etc. Rather, the culture is, as Lord Krishna states in Bhagavad Gita, Acharyopasanam, to worship the Acharyas. The Acharyas are manifested in their teachings. As Prabhupada was asked once by a journalist, that what will happen to you after the, uh, what will happen to you this movement after you die? Prabhupada said, I will never die, I will live forever in my books. But certain persons who very intelligently want to kill Srila Prabhupada, they have decided that Prabhupada's books have got mistakes in them. And they are even very intelligent to, in great detail, point out the mistakes and suggest some revisions to make them more acceptable to the people in general. Very dangerous course. Now, Prabhupada did want his books edited, and he trusted certain devotees to do that. There's a difference between a faithful disciple editing to uh, bring out the message of the Acharya and someone deciding that he knows better than the Acharya and trying to alter the message according to his own Brahm Pramad Vipralipsa Karana Patav. Brahm Pramad Vipralipsa Karana Patav means the four contaminations of the conditioned soul tendency to make mistakes, to be illusioned, to make mistakes, the cheating propensity and imperfect senses. So, Brahm Pramad Vipralipsa Karanapatav Arsha Vigyavakye Nahidosh Esham. These four kinds of mistakes do not occur in the words of Arsha, the highly respectable persons. Or on, on those who are highly learned. Highly learned here doesn't mean book education, but the knowledge that is revealed within the heart by those who are fully surrendered to Krishna. Therefore, the comment is given, Arsha Prayog, warning, don't bring your Brahm Pramad Vipralipsa Karnapatav here. You may see it as a mistake, but our Acharya has said like that, so don't dare to think it is a mistake. This uh, is understood to be... Just like Prabhupada said that everything I say, uh, Krishna is he's dictating th through me. So, although according to material vision, it may appear imperfect and actually is imperfect, but that's only according to material vision. According to 
one vision, Prahlad may have had some material contamination. But even if theoretically it is accepted that he has, and even if Vyas says like that, we should not ever uh, dream even of thinking like that. Our only business is to worship with great reverence the lotus feet of Srila Prahlad Maharaj. It is not at all our duty to try to find fault in him. Though the incident may be narrated by Jiva Goswami to demonstrate how Fallen persons may become elevated. We don't take that as a personal blame on Prahlad Maharaj. Prabhu Kohe, Vaishnav Deha Prakrita Kabunai, a Prakrita Deho Vaishnav Chidanandamai. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that the body of a Vaishnav is never mundane, it is always spiritual, full of transcendental knowledge and bliss. He said this in relation to Srila Sanatan Goswami who, due to contact with contaminated water, had uh, contracted weeping sores. Do you know what that means, weeping sores? You must have read it. Very uh, disgusting kind of disease, actually. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would embrace it. And Sanatana would try to run away and say, you'll become contaminated by my touch. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, no, I'm becoming purified by your touch. By your touch, you can deliver the whole world. So... And then he told that a Vaishnava's body is it's never material, it's never contaminated, so it's always spiritual. So how is a body which is contaminated with weeping sores, how is that spiritual? Chaitanya Mahavaru said it's spiritual. Because every atom of that body, even the apparent weeping sores, are alive with love of Krishna. Every atom is dedicated intensely into the service of Krishna. So we should be very careful in bringing our sense of mundane judgment um, if we if we want to try to understand Vaishnavas. Vaishnavas are to be understood in terms of their love of Krishna, not in terms of their bodily activities. Yes. Or even if a Vaishnav has some apparent fault, that has to be seen in relation to the, uh, the again, his Swarup Lakshan of overwhelming surrender to and love for Krishna. So this is Vaishnava understanding. However, this Vaishnava understanding also has to be tempered with discrimination. This understanding is misused by the Prakrita Sahajiyas, who say that they more or less say, well, you can just do anything as long as you're a Vaishnava and no one should criticize. You can eat flesh, run around with other people's wives, take, take intoxication. But as long as you have tilak on, then you're a Vaishnava and no one should criticize. And you can talk all kinds of nonsense. The guru is God or there's so many different nonsense philosophies. But we're chanting Hare Krishna so or some other mantra which we invented. And therefore, you shouldn't criticize. It's non-Vaishnava to criticize such a person. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur shocked the whole Vaishnava society of his time by persistently and forcefully criticizing and pointing out as bogus and as rascals those persons who were considered great Vaishnava leaders of society, great leaders of Vaishnava society. So they would say, uh, you're committing Vaishnava Parad. They say, no, because you're not Vaishnavas. And he would show, according to Shastra, how simply Galai, what is that? Nake, nake tilak Galai Malai, Galai Mala. Shonge ek pare bala, someone who has tilak on his nose and tulsi mala on his neck, but who's running around with someone else's wife, is not a Vaishnava. 
For instance, actually that was Bhaktivinoda, but Bhaktivinoda and Bhaktisiddhanta are non-different. He would take Bhaktivinoda's teachings and broadcast them. And he would say, well, this is against Vaishnava etiquette. These are our respected Vaishnava leaders. But no, he'd say they're cheating. But it's our guru. No, he's cheating. Guru is always to be respected. Just see the example of Lord Brahma. He was respected, even though he performed such abominable activity. Not a good analogy. Because Brahma, he immediately... Uh, repented on that activity and never engaged in it again, and went on with his Swarup Lakshan of intense service to Krishna. So the Guru is certainly to be uh, respected as good as God, or maybe even more, and never disrespected in any way. Why? Because he is the greatest benefactor of the disciple. The mother and father are also called Guru, but the, the Guru who gives transcendental knowledge is by far a greater benefactor than the mother and father. Therefore, he's complete guru, whereas mother and father are only partial guru at best. Guru is respected as the greatest benefactor because he gives the knowledge by which one is freed from material contamination. However, if one in the role of a guru fails to give that knowledge, or even worse, gives some uh, opposite of the actual knowledge, then not only does he fail to deliver the disciple from material contamination, but by assuming the role of his guru, he puts him into more ignorance and more deep material contamination. Therefore, instead of being the greatest benefactor, he is the greatest enemy of his so-called disciple. So, Vaishnav culture, uh, as in the broader Vedic culture in which it traditionally exists, upholds the principle of highest respect for guru. And guru means... And any superior, that in, in one usage of the term means superior. Juna didn't want to kill his gurus. Guru Nahatva, he protested against killing his gurus, meaning Drona, Bhishma, Ashvatthama, Shalya, these were all the gurus he had to fight against. So any uh, superiors considered guru to be, and as Prabhupada said, one should not, in, in, should not even offer even a verbal fight with a guru. What to speak of shooting with arrows? Therefore, Arjuna was confused. What should I do? I have to fight because it's dharma to do so. These pers- the, uh, the persons we are fighting or the persons we are arrayed against, they, are, uh, they have acted against the principles of dharma. Therefore, a kshatriya to protect dharma has to fight against them. On the other hand, uh, the opposite forces have so many of our gurus. The opposite forces have so many of our gurus. Bhishma, Drona, Pramukhata headed by Bhishma and Drona. So either way, if, if I fight, then I'm attacking my gurus, which is a dharma. And if I don't fight, then I fail to uphold my duty as a kshatriya to protect dharma. So either way, I'm the loser. So the Vedic culture is that one should always follow gurus and superiors mm-hmm. and, not, and just accept. And even if there is some apparent fault on their part, we shouldn't think of it like that and we should just accept it and go on with life. On the other hand, if it's seen that Someone is occupying the position of guru and superior not to uh, benefit others, but to cheat them and exploit them. Then something should be done. This we find from the pages of Shastra. They're not Shastra. fit to be considered guru or given the respect of guru. We find this when Arjun captured Ashvatthama. This very discussion went on. One side was saying, well, we can't punish him because he's on the level of our guru. And on the other side, they're saying, well, he's forfeited his privileges as guru by acting in such an, an abominable way. So ultimately, it was settled that he was punished 
but in a manner in which he was not punished as severely as he might have been had he not Takže, had a... the formal status of guru. So very subtle culture. Culture has to be upheld. If gurus and superiors aren't respected, then the whole culture breaks down, as we see in the modern age. In the Western world, there was a similar kind of uh, theocratic organization of society, political system, as in India up, up until a few hundred years ago, in which the Pope was at the top and then there were all the kings underneath. It was like a perverted reflection of the Brahmanas and the Kshatriyas. But it broke down when, it was when the kings saw that the Popes are executing their authority for their own mundane self-interest. And the people know of the states didn't want to follow the kings because they saw that they're just misusing their position. They're not protecting us like fathers. So now in in the Western world, there's there's very little respect for position. That uh, it's every day in the newspaper you'll find the prime minister of the country lampooned in a cartoon, dis- thoroughly disrespected on the front pages of the most prominent newspapers. Okay. Every day. Bill Gates, great leader of society, highly respectable position. When he came to Brussels a few years ago, someone threw a, what was it, a cream pie in his face, something like that. No respect, no concept of respect. Or rather, they take more pleasure in lampooning and insulting those who should be respected. So, in, in such an ethos, spiritual knowledge cannot be transmitted because spiritual knowledge flows down. It's not a democratic process. Pick up the book and read it and you get everything all by yourself. At the same time, it's a great challenge to, for, for persons who are taking leadership roles within our own society, ISKCON, to uh, actually develop the qualities of a saintly leader which makes them worthy in all respects of such respect. Yeah. So, uh, with this conundrum, which is certainly worthy of lots of discussion, I'll finish the class. Okay. Give you all something to think about. Please do so in a respectful manner.